Let's look at Ephesians. Last week, I, I wanted to cover this particular prayer in one part. I'm sorry. It, it's, it's utterly impossible. What, what, was, what would have been left behind is what I would like to speak with you today about, actually what our Lord would like to speak to us about. And that's the importance of, of this security. But also there is an importance that Paul prays for us about, and that is for our own wisdom, our own insight, our own knowledge about the things of God. I, I, I'm convinced that Paul is convinced that until we understand not so much who are we in Christ, that's so important, don't, don't get me wrong, but really what is at issue here is, is understanding who He is within our lives. To understand the vastness and the greatness of our God. Now, we saw in the first part, from, from verse 1 through, through verse uh, 14, one sentence and one thought, but divided into three groups. And that is God the Father, how He dealt with us in the past. God the Son, how He deals with us today in the present. And God the Holy Spirit, how He will care for us throughout our lives into the future. And so we are secure in who he is and that's paul's intent paul's intent is that we understand the vastness and the greatness and the love that god has for each and every one of us here on this earth right now right here as we live and he wants us to be secure now far too many a christian today has um, has searched for something that we already possess. Do you remember a story I told last week? In fact, some of you might not have been here about uh, William Randolph Hearst. William Randolph Hearst, tremendously rich man, and, and he has this passion for art, passion to, to show and display all these great works of art. As the story goes, in fact, I believe this is a true story. I read it in one of the commentaries. And as the story goes, William Randolph Hearst heard about this piece of art that was priceless, they said. And he wanted it. He wanted to show it so that all the generations would be able to see this wonderful work of art. And so he gathered around his team of people who searched to and fro for all these wonderful works of art, purchased these works of art so that he could display them in his museums. He gathered them together, told them about this work of art, and sent them out to find it. As they searched for this work of art, their searching brought them back to one of his many warehouses where he stored works of art that um, they just weren't displaying yet. Lo and behold, they found that piece of art in his warehouse, what he desired to possess with all of his heart would pay anything for he already owned it was already his he just didn't know it was in the warehouse the story and the truth of that is too many of us today are like mr hearst we're searching for something that we already possess our primary need within the family of God, is what we attempt to do here at this church. We are devoted 
to allowing you and me to understand what is written in here. To allow us to grasp the wonderful truth that God has given to us as believers so that we might know the wonders of who He is. In a moment, you're going to see one of the major reasons why I pray the way I do before I try to preach. Look with me at... Well, let's reread a couple things. Look with me back at Ephesians chapter 1, starting with the end of verse 4, where it says, in love, the last two words of verse 4. Don't know why they did that. Don't know why they didn't put in love with verse 5. Who knows? But it says, in love... He predestined us to adoption as sons through Jesus Christ to Himself, according to the kind intention of His will, to the praise of the glory of His grace, watch, which He has freely bestowed on us in the Beloved. In Him, verse 7 tells us, we have redemption through His blood. We have the forgiveness of our trespasses according to the riches of His grace, which... He has lavished, what a great word, He has lavished upon us. Our primary need as believers, folks, is for wisdom, for knowledge, for obedience, so that you and I might comprehend all the things that God has lavished upon us as believers. With that in mind, let's read this prayer one more time, please. Read from verse 15 to verse 23 with me. And we're going to study a few more things. We're going to kind of wrap this prayer up today. Promise next week we will be in chapter 2. But in verse 15, Paul says, watch. He starts, please forgive me. He starts for this reason. In other words, what he has just explained to us, all the wonders of who we are in Christ, but more importantly, who God the Father and God the Son and God the Holy Spirit are in our lives. Paul begins his prayer by saying, For this reason I too, having heard of the faith in the Lord Jesus which exists among you and your love for all the saints, do not cease giving thanks for you while making mention of you in my prayers that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give to you a spirit of wisdom and of revelation in the knowledge of Him. Paul says in verse 18, I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened so that you may know what is the hope of His calling, what are the riches of the glory of His inheritance in the saints, And what is the surpassing greatness of His power towards us who believe? These are, Paul writes, in accordance with the working of the strength of His might, which He brought about in Christ when He raised Him from the dead and seated Him at His right hand in the heavenly places, far above all rule and authority and power and dominion and every name that is named, not only in this age, but also in the one to come And He put all things in subjection under His feet. He gave Him as head over all things to the church, which is His body. The fullness of Him who fills all in all. 
it, it is a magnificent prayer, to be honest with you. It is an amazing place where Paul reminds us of the greatness of our God. How great is our God and how much He loves us and all the things that He has granted us to possess as believers in Him. And all of it is wrapped up in this this introduction to the book of Ephesians, understanding who God the Father is and who God the Son is and who God the Holy Spirit is who they are within our lives and how much they love and care for us. They've lavished, they've lavished their blessings upon you and me. And what Paul wants to do, make no mistake about it, he wants to get a bunch of people who are secure in what they believe. Not secure in so much who you and I are, but secure in who He is, that He will never leave us. He will never forsake us. Paul recognizes, he even said himself, if if there were sinners, I'm a chief. I'm the chief among all the sinners. And so he understood the battle that went on in our lives, yours and my life. He, He knows what we go through. He knows how we fall short of, of the glory of God. And it breaks his heart to think that it might stop you, it might stymie you, it might, it might curtail you from being all that, that God wants you to be. And so he prays. And what he prays for is for us to have some sort of an understanding, some sort of a knowledge of, of who is he. How much does he really love us? So that when times get tough, You don't have to worry. You don't have to worry that He's going to give up on you. But that He will caress you every time. He will hold you in His arms every time. What Paul wants to do, folks, make no mistake about it, is he wants to build an army of people who who are destined to be all that God desires us to be, and we will not vary from that goal on this earth. And so today we're going to see of a few things that, that Paul's going to make mention of, of what might stymie that in our lives. Before we get in, let, let's pray. Father, this is, whoa, this prayer, Father, that, that Paul gives to the church throughout this world in which we live, throughout all the times in which we live, as Paul tells us that your Son, whom you've given for us, is above all rule and authority, all power, all dominion. There is no other name that is named that is above his. And then Paul tells us, not only in this age, but also in the one that is to come. In other words, eternally, we are secure in who, who you are in our lives. And Father, it is my desire to be able to teach this correctly. I believe it's um, some, some, some sort of a key, Father, that might unlock um, some of our, our areas of of hesitancy maybe of why we don't serve you as 
as much as, and why we don't love you as much as, and and why, Father God, we we seem to back off of who we ought to really be in the name of Jesus Christ. And so Paul desires to for us to receive some sort of wisdom and knowledge about you that we might grasp who you are. You teach us, Father, please. You guide us, Father, please. Move me aside, I beg of you, Father, that we um, might, by the grace of an almighty God, behold wonderful things from your law through the Bibles that we hold in our laps. And, and we're not hindered by a, a human speaker, but more we hear your voice and your, your heart through the words that you have given to us. May we always be faithful to these words that are written within this Bible, this precious, precious, precious gift that you have given to the church so that we might understand you. Let us be faithful to it, Father. We pray in Jesus' precious name. Amen. Yours and my problem is not a lack of blessings. We've been told in verse 3, we've been blessed with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. It's not a lack of blessings. Our problem is a lack of knowledge. Ours and the church as a whole. We have a lack of knowledge, we lack of insight, we have a lack of wisdom to understand and use all of God's blessings properly and faithfully. You know, sadly, we've become like the church... I'm not talking, I'm not picking on you or me. I'm, when I say, in this case, when I say we, I'm talking about the church in, as a whole. Those that, that really, truly follow Jesus Christ. I'm not talking about people that say, I'm spiritual. No, no, I'm talking about people who, who name the name of Jesus Christ as their Lord and as their Savior. But sadly, this church as a whole has become like the church at Corinth. I want to show you what I mean by that. Turn with me, please, to 2 Corinthians. Now, that's just to the left. You're in Ephesians. Galatians is to the left. And then right after Galatians is 2 Corinthians. Look at 2 Corinthians chapter 6 with me. What happened in Corinth is what is happening in this world in which we live today. Too many of a Christian in that day relied on their feelings over knowledge they were more interested in doing what they felt was right rather than doing what the Bible declared was right. They became ignorant of the Word of God. And many of them lost the whole idea of what is right and what is wrong. Look, unless you and I understand our Bibles today, this world in which we are now living... There is no way of trusting our society to tell us and to teach us what is right and what is wrong. But if you listen to the news at all, sometimes you can almost become nauseous by what is being taught and said. Some of our leaders now are people who believe that you can abort a baby after it's born if it's not well. That might be put into law one of these days. Is it right? And so we need to understand what is coming after us. We need to understand what is being said to us so that we truly understand right from wrong. 
Paul said to the people in Corinth, read with me, 2 Corinthians chapter 6, and starting with verse 11. He said, look, our mouth spoke freely to you, O Corinthians. Our heart is open wide. Basically what he's saying is, we've told you the truth. We spoke freely to you. Our hearts were a part of that. And he says in verse 12, you're not restrained by us. No, no, you're not restrained by what you've been taught. You are restrained by your own affections. Now in like exchange, I speak as to children. Open wide to us also. See, what their problem was, they started to get involved with unbelievers. They started getting involved with people who had no love of God. They started worshiping their idols, not the one true God. And that took them away from understanding and grasping all that Paul was teaching them. Paul said, look, we've opened our mouths wide to you. We've told you everything we know. We've, we've given you our hearts and... And, 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 and you're not hearing us. Verse 13, Now in like exchange I speak as to children. Open wide to us also. Don't be bound together with unbelievers. What partnership has righteousness with lawlessness? What fellowship has light with darkness? What harmony has Jesus Christ with Belial? What does a believer have in common with an unbeliever? Now, I want to, to, to make clear, it doesn't mean that we don't have unbelievers as friends because that's a very wonderful way to, to help to lead them to Christ. But you've got to be careful that you don't take on the relationship and the, and the attitude of your, of your unbelievers, but rather they take on yours. And if you're not grounded in the Word of God, if you don't have a knowledge about who God is and what He means to you, it's going to be a tough thing for you to, to get into that mix and not be swayed and pushed away. And So Paul says, what harmony has, has a believer in common with an unbeliever? What agreement, verse 16, has the temple of God with idols? We are the temple of the living God, just as God said, I dwell in them, I walk among them, and I'll be their God, and they're going to be my people. Therefore, come out from them and, and be separate, says the Lord. Paul was saying to them, basically, that the problem that they're having isn't that they were being taught the right thing, it's that, that their hearts were, were more interested in and doing what they felt was right to do rather than doing what the Bible said was right to do. Their hearts were restrained, people, by their affections, their bonding with unbelievers. In effect, Paul was saying, you can't hear God's truth because your emotions are getting in the way. You're more concerned with binding your lives with unbelievers. And so Paul reasons, what harmony, in verse 15, what harmony has Jesus Christ with an unbeliever? And so he begs of them, reasons with them in verse 17, come out, come out from their midst and, and be separate. And not doing so, not separating ourselves from this world in which we live that is taking us down a, a very dangerous path. Before we know it, our emotions will distort the understanding of God's truth see it happen, could give you myriads of, of cases 
won't do it right now. But see it happen. That's why exactly Paul, in the, in the book of Colossians, stay here, but move back to 1 Corinthians. But in the book of Colossians, the third chapter, the 16th verse, Paul says, let the word of Christ richly dwell within you with all wisdom and teaching. Now, it's a shameful for churches that, that open their door and don't teach the Word of God. It is absolutely, utterly shameful. You see, only the Holy Spirit can search the deep things in the mind of God. And only the Spirit of God can bring these things to your and my understanding. And Paul teaches as much. 1 Corinthians chapter 2. I didn't tell you what chapter, did I? I'm so sorry. 1 Corinthians chapter 2. Let's read from verse 1. Let's read some of this. What, what is Paul saying? He said to those people in Corinth, Look, when I came to you, he says in verse 1, I didn't come with superiority of speech or of wisdom proclaiming to you the testimony of God. He says, I determined to know nothing among you except Jesus Christ and Him crucified. I, I'm just a personal thing. That's my very essence of what is my ministry. It's not to try to be superior in speech. The good thing is I don't have it. But the, 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 the better thing is I wouldn't want to have it. I, I desire to be right where the rubber hits the road. I desire to be the common man speaking to the people of the church so that, so that you might and I might understand the things of God. Not speaking up here that, that has nothing to do with where and how we live today, but getting right here in our hearts. Look what Paul says. I was with you in weakness and in fear and in trembling. Oh man, do I understand that. He says, my message and my preaching were not in persuasive words of wisdom. But you want to know something, folks? Let me interrupt this right now. If, if we brought Paul in here, we judged his smarts with all of our smarts. He's smarter. He was really a brilliant man. But he says in verse 4, My message and my preaching weren't in persuasive words of wisdom, but in the demonstration of the Spirit and of power. Why? Verse 5, So that your faith would not rest on the wisdom of man, but on the power of God. I can say only amen to that. That is exactly why I asked myself to get out of the picture here. That's exactly why I want you and me to see what's written in here and let God speak to your heart, not me. So that your faith would not rest on this church. Your faith would not rest on a person. Your faith would rest, and my faith would rest, on a holy and righteous and awesome God who loves us so much that, that it wants to lavish His blessings on us. Yet He says in verse 6, We do speak wisdom among those who are mature. A wisdom, however, not of this age, nor of the rulers of this age who are passing away. Amen, Paul. We speak God's wisdom in a mystery that is hidden wisdom, which God has predestined before the ages to our glory. Verse 8, the wisdom which none of the rulers of this age understand. Because if they did understand it, he writes, they wouldn't have crucified the Lord of glory. I feel compelled to say something about verse 8. 
Verse 8, the wisdom which none of the rulers of this age understand. If they did, they wouldn't have crucified. They wouldn't live in sin, basically what he is saying. Think with me just for a moment. Do you believe for even an instant, for even a moment, that, that anyone would stay away from church if they could see God as God desires for them to see Him? This church... This, this place would only be a parking lot for a bigger church. There wouldn't be enough seats to house all the people who would want to rush to come to church and hear about the wonders of God if they just could see things the way God sees things. If they realized how many lives have been changed, how many marriages have come together to those who have found this peace in Christ, how many young children have been saved out of the streets and drugs to a better life because the cause of Jesus Christ, or people coming from a place of despair into hope because of their newfound faith in Christ. Of course they wouldn't stay away from God. But they don't see things that way. And, and look, on their behalf, they don't understand the hope of God's call. It's darkness to them. Some of us, somebody's got to be light. And so I wrote down in bold letters, what's our excuse? What's your excuse? The other day, the other day, just let me give you this little example. And, and I am no Billy Graham, please. I am no like a, this, this great evangelist. But just having a bite to eat with some dear friends here at this church, and we were talking about the things of God, and this young man was serving us. And just this great-looking young guy, you know, he's trying to be as good a servant as he could be. And so he gives us the food. And as he starts to walk away, his name tag is Jeremy. I said, Jeremy, wait. Come back, pray with us. I don't know Jeremy. I don't know if he's offended. I don't know what's going on in his life. And so we grab hands. I grab his hand, grab my wife's hands, and we grab hands around this table, and I thank God for Jeremy waiting on us. Thank God for this food that He's given us. Thank God for the glory of this day. And, and I pray in the name of Jesus Christ, my Lord and my Savior. And I look, <clears throat> look at Jeremy and I thank him for staying with us <clears throat> to pray. Excuse me, I'm, cho I'm choked up because I don't know what happened in his life. I don't know, could be that his... Could it, could it be that his folks have been praying for him for years and he's some astray? I don't know. I don't know. I don't care right now at this moment. What I care is I wanted to touch some young man with the name of Christ so that for the rest of his day he might wonder what is with those folks. Left them even a better tip so that he wouldn't think that us Christians are cheap. Got pretty good service from him, though, really. <laughs> Sorry. I don't tell you that story to say, whoa, look at PJ. He's really, he's really doing what he's talking about. No, I'm just saying, oh my gosh, where's the time gone? I'm just saying, for the most part, we Christians don't really know God's Word. We don't know the blessings that He has lavished upon us. And we don't know the things that... that that will hinder our growth by not understanding the Word of God or reaching out to the people in this community in which we live. 
And not to know the Word of God is going to hinder your growth and my growth, and it's going to hinder the growth of others, because most people won't go to church. Most people won't, won't take the time to get up early on Sunday and come to church. There are other things to do. They've partied too hard last night to get up and go to church on Sunday morning. Or they're guilty or whatever it is they're going through. And, and sometimes you and I will be the only church that any of them will ever see. And so because we do have a lack of knowledge, as Paul was trying to explain to, the, explain to these people in Corinth, we're missing the blessings of God so Paul, stayed, I hope you stayed here in 1 Corinthians. Let's look now at verse 9. Paul says, don't stop, don't miss these things. And he, so he goes on to say, but just as it is written, verse 9, things which the eye has not seen and the ear has not heard, which have not entered into the hearts of man, all that God has prepared for those of us who love him. For to us, God revealed them through the Spirit. For the Spirit searches all things, even the depths of God. Who among us knows the thoughts of a man except the Spirit of the man which is in him? Even so, Paul writes, the thoughts of God no one knows except the Spirit of God. And so how do you and I expect to understand the things of God unless we become spiritual people, unless we take this sin out? As Paul explained in 2 Corinthians, and what harmony, he says, does you, do, you, do, a, do a person who loves Christ have to do with sin? What harmony is there? Separate yourself from it, he says, because, verse 12, key, watch. Now we've received, and not the Spirit of this world, but the Spirit who is from God. And why? So that you and I might know the things, note, that is freely given to us by God. The deeper truths are revealed only to those who love Him and want to walk diligently with Him, who will follow Him with all their hearts. Christ called us, and He's called every person the same way. He says, come and what? Follow. You don't know that verse? Come, follow. Until we grasp who we are in Jesus Christ, more importantly, and who we grasp who He is for us, it'll be impossible for you and me to live with the obedience that, that He is desiring for us. This is not a game. This is not just a, a, a play game here on earth. No, to understand and to know the Lord, this is, this is real. This is something that we need to get involved in to fulfill our lives here on earth as we attempt to follow the Lord our God. And only when we really know who He is, only then when we know what He desires of us, only then can we truly follow Him like He asks of us to follow Him. Only when we come to understand how our lives can be secure, that, that, that some sin that you might be doing or might have in your life doesn't, dis, doesn't uh, um, take you out of the game. There is confession. There is a time to get your life right. Ask God to forgive you so that you and I can have a right perspective, so that we can have a correct motive for living our lives for Christ here on earth right now. And only when we come to understand our citizenship can we live an obedient and productive life as godly citizens here on this earth. And so how do we do that? Paul moves away from the security and from the, uh, the, the might of the Lord our God into His majesty. Watch how he closes his prayer. He says in verse 20, or excuse me, verse 19, for, oops, I'm in 1 Corinthians. Please go back with me to Ephesians. 
chapter 1. And look again at verse 19. What he says is the surpassing greatness of his power towards us who believe. It's in accordance with the working of the strength and of his might, which he brought about in Christ. And now watch, hold on. He raised him from the dead. He seated his son at his right hand. That means the place of power in the heavenly places. And he says he is far above all rule. He's far above all authority. He's far above all power and dominion. And, and every name that is named, he's above it all. Not only, not only does Paul write in this age, but also in the age that is to come. In other words, you and I are forever and forever eternally secure. Not only now, but also in that age that is to come. He's put all things, verse 22, in subjection under His feet, and He gave Him, Jesus Christ, as head over all things to the church. That's why any church that has any kind of rules and regulations that are not a part of this is a church that's gone astray. It's a church that is man-driven and not God-driven. These are the rules. We don't set them and we don't play like we do. And we're not a church. We are a people who follow Jesus Christ. Therefore, we are saints which make upon the body of Christ which is called His church. But not because of a denomination, but because of people who have fallen deeply, head over heels in love with Jesus Christ. And so he says, we're his body, verse 23. We're the fullness of him. He fills all in all. The blessings that are yours are unmatched, folks. Don't let Satan fool you. Don't let your experiences get you down. Don't let those things that you're going through make you think that God's given up on you. Baloney. He loves you with all of his heart. What you're going through, you're going through for only God knows. Take it for what it is. And love Him in the midst of whatever it is that has been given to you. And then, and then move out all things that are sin. What harmony has Jesus Christ with unbelievers? In other words, what harmony has Jesus Christ with sin Separate yourself from it. I don't believe for an instance God wants you and me to separate ourselves from unbelievers, but how, how are we going to reach them unless we, unless we, we love them and, and, and try to encourage them? That's not what he is saying. But I believe Paul is saying this. If your lifestyle is being invaded by those who you hang around with who do not know the Lord and you find yourself leaning more and more towards what they do than what you know you should do, he says, stop. Stop it. Separate yourself from them. You'd be surprised. My friends that I used to have and when I first came to Christ in Hawaii, almost everyone to a person has come back. All of them that said, we don't want you around, we don't want anything to do with you, when they've watched my life and they saw that I meant business with what I believed in and I trusted in my God and I did not vary from that, they came back. I didn't need to go back to them. I didn't lose relationship with them. I tried to remain friends, but they came back. It'll happen in your life. You won't lose friends. You will gain friends enough. 
I love you with all my heart. I cannot even put into words how much I love you. The Paul, Paul's point for this great prayer is very clear. It is written so that you and I might realize just how secure we are in Jesus Christ and how unwavering and absolute our hope is in Him. You are ball of power walking here on this earth that God wants to unleash on somebody, something, somehow, some way. He can't unleash you and me until we understand what it is He is trying to make us do. Father God, I thank You for Paul, of course. Thank You that You gave him the words to write. You gave him the prayer to exalt Your name. Isn't that something? You gave him the thoughts to write to exalt Your Son and the Holy Spirit And you did it all so that we might have a better understanding of who you are. So that we might know how much you love us. And consequently, we might believe these things and then realize how much we need to love you back in return. You know, Father, I'm I'm overwhelmed with how little you ask of us. How much you give us. And yet, like the people in Corinth, far too many a believer today has rejected all of that so as to stay connected, so to speak, with this world. May we be as Paul wrote. May we understand the question of what harmony has a believer with a non-believer. Mainly, what is harmony do we have with sin? And if there is sin in our lives, we need to do as we were warned by our Lord. We need to separate ourselves. Come and follow you. I pray your blessings upon each of us here. Thank you so much, Father, for this morning. What a great morning. God bless every person here. I love them, Father. I love them deeply. And I thank you for the love that you've given me for this place, this church, these people. Pray your blessings upon us in Jesus' precious name. Amen. God bless you all. Have a great, great day. I love you very, very much. See you next week.